Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Welcome to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack. The studios are closed due to the pandemic at the moment, so I'm sending this out from further afield, but still on Wondery land. Nation, near the banks of the Merry Mary. I acknowledge their ongoing connection to the land and waters and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. On today's show we're talking to poet, activist and regular at the very long-running spoken word at Bar Usu gig, which is uh, still in lockdown, Jamali Bowden. I didn't choose to be here. I didn't choose to be here on stolen land, on stolen land. I didn't choose to be here. Where do I stand? Where do I stand? In fear of white power or fight the colony. In fear of white power or fight the colony. I didn't choose to be here. Don't rock the boat, keep your head down. Don't rock the boat, keep your head down. Don't rock the boat, keep your head down. Soften every edge, 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 soften every edge. See, I'm not a threat. See, I'm not a threat. See, I'm not a threat. Colonizer's pet, colonizer's pet, colonizer pet. Fear is what they taught me. Fear is what they taught me. Safety is conditional. Safety is conditional. Safety is conditional. Safer if I act right, safer if I act white, safer if I act right, safer if I act white. I didn't choose to be here. This place is built on cruelty. This place is built on cruelty. Can only exist on genocide. Can only exist on genocide. Can only exist on genocide. State violence hides in white silence. State violence hides in white silence. State violence hides in white silence. More complicit, less complicit, still face hate. Still face hate, more complicit, less complicit, still face hate, still face hate. Can't stay silent, can't keep in line with whiteness. Can't stay silent, can't keep in line with whiteness. Only be free with indigenous sovereignty. Will only be free with indigenous sovereignty. Facing violence, facing violence. Where do I stand? I choose to be free. Welcome to the show, Jamal. Yeah, I know, right? I often try because it's easy to get like caught in a bubble. I was saying this the other day to some mates, like I would really like a function on Facebook where I can just like get, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mute all my like radical lefty friends so that I can actually see what people from like that I went to high school with or whatever are talking about. <laughs> cause I'm like, you know, you get caught in your bubble and I'm like, I don't even know. Like, cause I feel like if you do that, you, you know, I think one of the most important ways of making change in the world is just like talking to people about intense topics. Mm-hmm. Your racist auntie's probably going to listen to you more than they're going to listen to some <laughs> random, like, activist or whatever. So, like, you should make that, like, a priority in your life. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm I'm guilty of that. Like, because it's, you know, it's part you don't want to, like, rock the boat or, like, and that's, you know, one of the tensions that I talk about in that poem. If you're having a conversation with someone you love, it's not, oh, I think you're a bad person. It's, like, I think, you know, I care about you and this is a damaging thing that you shouldn't be holding on to. But, you know, it's everywhere. It's like in the air we breathe. Like, you know, you can't really escape it. That's the thing that I find really, I don't know, reductive about the way people are like, oh, if you hold these views, you're not welcome in my like area. It's like, 
by virtue of like where you stand and where you live, like it's in what you are. Like it's not just a moral thing, it's a structural thing. That's the thing. Like if you don't have those conversations, you don't come to that realization. You know, you learn by explaining, like you don't learn by teaching. Teaching is the best way to learn. So it's like if you actually have those conversations, if you want to make a good argument, I think you have to come to the realization that you can't just make a moral argument. You need to be like, well, this is, you know, this is a system, this is a structure in place that needs to be addressed and it's not just about whether someone has a good or a bad like view it's not about being good or a bad person it's about getting free that's like my <laughs> the way i think about it all the time breaking that structure is beneficial to everyone yeah well that's what i mean it's like that is the overall thing that you've got to get to and i think that's something that i draw a lot of hope and inspiration from like the greater freedom is everyone mm-hmm. so yeah that's <laughs> oh, this is going to be intense because it's like we've been in lockdown so i've had a lot of time to think about shit and not much else <laughs> how have you been in lockdown have you been writing a lot i actually haven't but i've been reading a lot mm-hmm. um because i'm at university at the moment so it's like i both love and hate university <laughs> Like, I love the learning. I just love learning. It's like my favorite thing. But there's a lot of stuff that is in there. It would be better if it was in the hands of like people outside of the university than just like gathering dust on the shelves. Teaching and making learning accessible is like something that's really, you know, it's a really beautiful thing. And I'm like very much on board with it. That's why I'm like, you know, I just like finished this book, which I will definitely read again because it's really it's How Europe Underdeveloped Africa by Walter Rodney. He was a, a scholar from Guyana and he did these things called groundings when he was like, I mean, a bunch of places, but when he was at um, the University of the West Indies in Jamaica, you know, they gave him like a, you know, a place of residence up on the hill. But like, he was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. So he'd go down into the, like the workplaces and like, you know, to the rasters on the street corner and stuff and just be like, hey, what do you guys want to learn about? And he'd be like, oh, cool. Then he'd go back to the university and like, you know, gather a bunch of information and he'd come down and give a lecture in a workplace, you know, these, and that's something that's like, you know, and those kinds of things, like making, you know, it available to people and also using language that people can understand, like breaking it down. Like, I think there is a lot, especially in sort of like little dogmatic sex, there's this whole thing of like, oh, have you read this? Have you read this? Do you understand this? Blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's just like really overwhelming to people who are trying to come to like a, ward, a broader, you know, radical left perspective so it's like if you know people you shouldn't like it just you know if you get it out of a podcast it's just as good like i think as someone who like or the radio yeah or the radio exactly that's it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's why 3cr is so you know so valuable and i encourage everyone to give generously in the like drive that's going on at the moment yes um but yeah you know those like making it available because it's i think for like information and in terms of like getting a broader analysis like you don't have to read the book like you know and that's the thing you learn by teaching so if you're like Mm -hmm. reading some real dense stuff and you can't explain it to people you probably don't understand it in the first place and you don't need to talk down to people who don't Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical community-owned media during our June Station Appeal. We'll be taking donations online to help keep the station going for another year. Like so many community organisations, we're feeling the impact of COVID-19 restrictions. And we know you are too. But independent community media is more important than ever, and we hope you can show your support with a donation. The 3CR Station Appeal starts on Monday the 1st of June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. 3CR, here to stay.
Yes, you are back on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack. This is Spoken Word, and I'm talking to Jamali Bowden today. This is sort of small things that I like a small thing that I wrote that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, so I might read two actually. I'll do this short little one and then I'll do a longer one, which I've done a few places. So this one doesn't have a title, it's just something that I wrote. Um, Before the evils of the world had done their damage, there was you. Before your pain and trauma, there was you. Before the heartbreak, heartache and cynicism, there was you. You, a unique iteration of the universal vibration of love. It's a short little one. And then this one is called Names, which I've done a few places. I wrote this one a while ago. Um, I've got names like the moon has, like the sun and the stars and the sky itself. I've got names like the camel, like the cow and the llama and the kangaroo. I've got names like the Nile, like the Euphrates and the Mekong and the Amazon. I've got names like Babylon, like Timbuktu, like Cairo and Beijing. I've got names like the Himalayas, like the Caucasus, like the Atlas and the Andes. I've got names like the drum, like the flute and the lute and the incantation. I've got names like the seasons, like the ocean, like the day and the night. I've got names and names and names and names. I've got ancient night libraries of names. Traditions older than writing of names passed down. The scribes chiseled endlessly and now keyboards clack on and still unwritten volumes fill the infinite shelves of what will never and is still yet to come. I've got names and names and names. Getting very philosophical there. I think in that first piece I was talking about just like being, because I think especially with a lot of the stuff that's happening right now, I know that like, I, don't, I think it's important to not be defined by your like suffering. Mm. I think that's a really important and valuable thing. I think especially like this is something that I go back on forth on because like, I, you know, so like both of my parents like have a black dad and a white mom. And, you know, that's been a very, that's something that they've struggled with their whole life. It's sort of like, you know, it's continued down to like me and my sister. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's something that I've thought about a lot and I've, you know, I know that my sister is like thinking about this stuff recently because it's, you know, it's all in the news. Like, you know, it's hard not to be like everyone's sort of affected by, you know, mm-hmm. these, you know, very public sort of discussions and like images of people like being brutalized. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of people who are parts of black communities that know that they're awesome and beautiful and like, you know, know that they're not just defined by the suffering. But like, I think for people like me and like maybe my parents and my sister is like, without having grown up in that, like, you're like, oh, well, if the thing is the thing that makes me different, that I'm more susceptible to violence from the state or whatever, like these things, like, and I think it's really important to just be like, you know, I look to people who I know are just like, who I know are like thinking about this or like, have gone through this kind of stuff but are mm. still just like putting out really beautiful content like people doing really you know just having fun and doing that and like even that names piece is really i would say derivative i pretty much just like <laughs> am stealing like buddy langston hughes poem i have known rivers or negro speaks of rivers or i can't like that that poem <laughs> is like he talks about you know these ancient rivers of like the connection to africa and to like you know to these ancient civilizations like it's not just what people like what black people in america were going through at that time like it was it goes beyond this like it's longer um i like to look at the different forms of solidarity i think like mm-hmm. you know if you can find a precedent it's a really beautiful thing that you can be like oh we're like working together now like we did in the past like i saw something that was really 
powerful during the COVID epidemic that um, in one of the indigenous nations in the United States had received some aid from Ireland because during the like the famine the indigenous people recognized their common plight and sent over you know aid you know not only are we working together now but we have done it we've helped each other in the past Mm. and so what I've been looking into recently is like sort of the roots of international black struggle from the Americas and in Australia Mm -hmm. Angela Davis talks about you know recognizing the sort of ancient roots of people like you know having that foundation to build on you're tuned to 855am or listening on a podcast. I'm talking with poet and activist Jamali Bowden today. This poem is called, This Poem Is Not About Apples. Only bad apples kill people. Most apples are good. Apples serve to better people's health and well-being. That's what apples are for, right? Poisoned apples do not better people's health. That is why they are bad apples. But if you're a good apple... What do you do with bad apples? Is your loyalty to the people whose health you are supposed to be serving? Or is it to the other apples? After all, you did grow from the same tree. These bad apples may not be the best of the bunch, but they're still apples, and you were grown to stick together. We're told apples are good for our health. But if every bad apple is hidden by a bunch of good apples, who are unwilling to betray their fellow apple, is that really true? We know our bodies well enough to decide what our health looks like for ourselves. And these apples keep killing us. Defunding the police is a very complex process. What do you think of it as a slogan? I think abolish the police is better than ACAB. Like ACAB is definitely just something that you say to your friends. Like that's the thing. Like I was like, that's not a real argument. I was saying that on Facebook the other day. That's (laughs) not a real argument. Like don't tell people who are like it questioning the system slightly but are like oh i still think they're a good apple don't tell them acab that's not an argument that's a slogan <laughs> like i feel like abolition like leaves the door like a little bit more open because like abolition what does that actually mean hmm. what are some of the things that are alternatives to police i always bring up when i'm having whenever i'm having those debates with people about hmm. the role of the police is like well if their job is to like protect vulnerable people how come there's like 80 plus of the women, percent of the women in prison Uh, indigenous and have Mm -hmm. experienced like domestic violence and like these things it's like you know if that was actually you know if that was about protecting like vulnerable people that's that wouldn't be the case but it is and so it's like actually Mm -hmm. looking to the the kinds of organizing that people who have had to figure out how they like can like manage violence in their communities without bringing in the extra layer of state violence and they do all like this is Mm -hmm. brilliant work because i think instead of like making like a token or like a fetish out of people who are marginalized it's like oh this is someone that we must protect it's like how can we like help them with what they're already doing because as a black woman i am deep black soil they have tried to pollute me with a poison called america they have tried to scorch my roots with dope They have tried to drown my dreams with alcohol, with too many men who spit their foam on top of my fruit till it drops rotten in America's parks. But I am deep blue black soil, and you can hear the sound of my walking as I bring forth green songs from a seasoned breast, as I burn on our evening bed of revolution. I, being black woman, know only the way of the womb, for I am deep, 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 de
And so, as I say again, and I probably can't say too often, that we do be about that. Because in the past, we've been other things. In the past, black women, black children, black people in general have not, as I say to you again, loved themselves. Black women especially have been many things in this country. And quite often when I talk to people, I always tell young sisters that you have to be more than your mama's was. You have to be more than people think you be. You have to be. Because in the past, we have been this. We are songs yet unsung. We are music yet unplayed. We be black women. Yeah, 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 yeah. Singing in the night. We be lovers yet unloved. We be wives yet unwed. We be black women. Yeah, 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 yeah. Singing in the night. We be books yet unread. We be words yet unspoken. We be black women. Yeah, 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 yeah. Singing in the night. We be flowers yet ungrown. We be perfume yet unsmelled. We be black women. Yeah, 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 yeah. Singing in the night. But if we begin to deal with ourselves, we be yesterday's red size. We be tomorrow's green morning. We be black women. Yeah, yeah. Moving in the sun, 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 sun. Yeah. American poet Sonia Sanchez there. The show is spoken word on 855 AM Community Radio, 3CR. My name is Brendan Bonsack, and I'm speaking with Jamali Bowden this morning. I'm studying like creative nonfiction at the moment, which I think can be a really powerful tool. And it's like oral history or whatever, that like kind of stuff. Because it's like this stuff isn't, you know, it's happened in the lifetime of someone you know, generally. Like I think that like I I think a, a lot recently, like I, I read, um, I'm reading stuff and I think, oh, this is when this person, like so like, you know, my mom's mom was born in 1947. So when I, you know, whenever I read the date 1947, I think, oh, that was when that was when grandma was born. Or like my, you know, I actually am, I'm blessed enough to be in contact with my great grandmother on my, like my mom's, like my mom's dad's mom. So she, and she lives, she lives in, in Missouri, in Kansas City in the States. And she was born in 1930. Just like, and she's she's a beautiful, beautiful soul, and like so vibrant. She just turned ninety recently, and that was like, ah, oh, it was so beautiful too, because she was like sitting on, you know, she's sitting out on her porch, and like because it was COVID and everyone's social distancing, so there was just like they had a like a parade, so like all like all the people from her church and stuff like came around the corner, and there was like thirty cars and people with like big cards saying like "Happy Birthday, Miss Fletch" and stuff. And it was just like a, I watched that video and I was I cried like it was really you know. And it was just like a, something that again like looking at that stuff because it's like it's not just about suffering like you know, you know this you know my great grandma she you know she grew up as a black woman in the south but she's also like funny as hell <laughs> like she didn't just like suffer her whole life. She's also hilarious. <laughs> you know, people have, you know, these we're like a complex beings. Everyone is. And that's, you know, you need to have the opportunity to do that. And like also, but recognizing that that was true of people in the past too, like historical figures, like you learn and you're like, oh, 
you know, especially if you can think of someone like, I don't know, I don't know if that helps with everyone, but I, if, you know, I would encourage just to have, give it a go to just like, think of like, oh, when, you know, when was the oldest person I know, like, where were they in relation to this piece of history that I'm learning about? Cause then you like actually can like put faces to it and, you know, have a larger picture of it. Do you think like poetry and music help with that? Yeah, that's it. That's why <laughs> I guess that's why, you know, I do it in a lot of ways. Like it is like, I've like, I think the first time I heard anything about say like anarchism was from listening to Spanish bombs, that song by the clash is <laughs> <laughs> about the Spanish civil war. I was like, Oh, I, I never, this is really interesting. I wonder what, like what they're talking about. Like I'm going to go and like have a little Google around and just like, but even just like having those like connections to, I recently read um, for, for that creative nonfiction um, course, I read uh, Michael and running in the family and which is like talks about his like family in Sri Lanka and like that, that whole experience. There was a section of the book that was just like sort of poetry and like, political graffiti that was that got washed that got like taken down but it was on these you know they put it up on these walls because it was like you know you couldn't take it down and like just reading that's really powerful but it's also like a because there's you know his the family is in it and it's like talking about like human connections that people made um and it just like it makes it more yeah it is it's like you can empathize because you're like oh these people like these were people and I think like I think not to overstate I think, because I think that's, that's it again, like, I think when we look at it through that lens, sometimes it can, it can get, again, go too much into that, like, it's a moral argument. Like, I think the idea that like, oh, if people just like knew more black people or knew more queer people or whatever, they would just like suddenly like transphobia and like uh, racism would just disappear. And I, that's not, you know, that's again, like it kind of comes down to the idea that it's like, oh, racism is like, bad people doing bad things instead of this like structural thing and like oh you know honestly there are I think that's a, a very big like industry in this country in particular like I always like whenever I'm super sus on things that, that talk about like multiculturalism and that kind of stuff um particularly like you know if you look at something like Harmony Day I think that's really indicative of like the way that like you know, the, I was right, this is a line that I wrote, just like the Australian propensity for euphemism. Like, because uh, like the thing with Harmony Day is like, it, that's the international day for the abolition or for the, what is it? The abolition of like racial discrimination or something like that, or the prevention of racial discrimination. Um, and that date was chosen specifically because it commemorates the Sharpeville massacre in South Africa. And so like, globally, that day is known as the international day for the eradication of racial discrimination. In Australia, we have Harmony Day. Like, uh, it's just like, we don't want to talk about that. It's like, there's a whole thing of just like, oh, we don't want to talk about that. Like, <laughs> that's, and you know, that's how we end up with, you know, our prime minister denying the fact that slavery happened in this country, like all kinds of stuff. Cause mm. people just like, that's the sort of like, you sweep it under the rug. You don't talk about it or you give it a different name. Mm. Like, you know. You've probably had this discussion at the bus stop. Is it is it right to pull a, a statue down in protest? I mean, it looks cool <laughs> yeah obviously i think they are you know a disgusting symbol of like colonization and colonialism still sort of being very much the the sort of governing thing of our like the place that we live and you know globally um but it's also i think in some ways it's kind of 
frustrating, I find, people tearing down statues, not because I don't think it's a it's a powerful symbolic act, but just because at this point in time, it kind of feels like almost purely a symbolic act. As in, like, if you look at sort of historical moments of people tearing down statues, that is also part of this wider, like, you know, paradigm shift. And that's not to say that we're not heading in that direction. I think there is a lot, you know, of good progress that is being made. But I think it's, it's you know, you want the, the town square to be full of people cheering, not like a, a bunch of cops and some weird fashy guys, like, standing around being like, we must defend the statue. Like, you know, <laughs> if, like, a, tearing down statues is cool, but, like, a, having that be a part of, like, a, you know, defining historical moment is cooler. <laughs> yeah oh okay. do you have another poem for us um hmm. we've got two that we could do um maybe i'll do them both they're both sort of like the same sort of sentiment i guess mm-hmm. you stole all our shit and then made us complicit we're going to take it back because we know you won't give it no loyalty to the wounds that you call borders nor to your gory flag that bloody rag of torture Keep your blood money. It's only ashes. We create the vibe. You could only try to catch it. Very short. I, I just found that the other day. I was like, oh, that's really nice. I, I wrote that. <laughs> you just leave it. And it's like, oh, oh wow. That, oh, that's the thing. I don't remember doing that. And then this is one that I am always saying. Because, yeah, I think I really, I do have hope for the future. And a lot of that comes from, this is interesting. Like, you can read about some really gory like brutal things that have happened in the past and it can be really depressing or like learning about stuff that's happening now and can be really depressing. But a lot of times I find there are people, you know, there are people who still, who still come through, like people still have, you know, still find ways to be like a human and find what, even if, if they're being like dehumanized, they find a way to like move towards freedom and I, that's really inspiring to me. Like, even in the most brutal things, like, this is the, like, I said, I said, I, I said this to my sister the other day, but, like, people told jokes in Auschwitz. Like, there were people, you know, in, like, horrible conditions that still, you know, found a way to make each other laugh. Like, that's just what humans do, even in the most, like, brutal circumstances. So it's, like, I think that's the thing that ultimately gives me hope, even looking at, like, some of the most brutal stuff that humans have done to each other, being able to see that there is like this, you know, spark of humanity that manages to keep going in spite of all that. And yeah, just like we are like, there are things that have ended because of that and we're like here because of it. So this is what this one's about. We are the keepers of our ancestors' dreams of freedom. We keep believing so our progeny can dream of freer ways of being. Every outburst, victory or loss is a seedling. No matter what eyes bleeding lives lost, our struggle keeps breathing. Ripples become waves, become a tide unreceding. A voice becomes voices, becomes a roar repeating. We are the keepers of our ancestors' dreams of freedom. A lot of your poems are very musical. Yes, well... Do you have a beat in your head when you're writing? Uh, so the first poem I definitely did... Um, that I read today, but I, because I, I started out, like my journey to poetry has been, I was a singer in a band who wrote lyrics 
and then I was no longer in a band. So I was, and I was freestyling. I was a rapper. Mm-hmm. For me, like poetry and music have always sort of like been together. And it's like probably the two, I think two of my greatest inspirations poetry wise are like probably Gil Scott Heron and Bob Marley. So like, you know, it's still, still very music based. Are you looking forward to getting back to uh, places like Bar Usu? Oh, been missing Bar Usu for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to me about Bar Usu. <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> I love that place. Mm. And yeah, it's my poetry. It's like my poetry home. So yes, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I just, you know, miss everyone. Well, thank you for coming along today. No worries. Thanks for having me. All the best. That was the poet Jamali Bowden, our guest on Spoken Word today. You can follow him on Instagram at mxdmn underscore mc. This has been Spoken Word. You can find us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash spoken dash word. And of course, on the air every Thursday at 9am in fair weather, fire or pestilence. I am Brendan Bonsack. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.